Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Gay With God podcast, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Or are we still searching? The stories you hear on this podcast will melt your heart and strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible and you can be authentically gay with the God of your understanding. I'm your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Gay With God podcast. I am your host, Midge Noble, and today we're going to talk about, I reclaimed my faith. Now what? (laughs) So it's really interesting because the journey of reclaiming my faith took many, many, many years. And part of that, of course, is my own fault because I continued to stand in doubt. I continued to have all of these concerns about the scriptures and really not understanding when people did say, no, it's okay. Trust us now. (laughs) We've figured it out. But for 30 years, for 30 years, I lived in a culture of believing that the scriptures are standalone. You read it, you believe it, and that settles it. So even though uh, before my my blessed father, Joe, there were other people like Pastor Christine, the very first minister that was affirming and loving and happened to be gay, um, gave me the message that that was true. And I went through her uh, homosexuality in the Bible class and I was hopeful, but it's like, she's gay. Of course, she's going to say it's okay. So even though I had that message and I had that hope, I kept tucking it back in because I was afraid. I was afraid of the condemnation that had always been taught to me and preached to me and was in my family of origin. So the journey of reclaiming took a while, but then even after I met with Father Joe and I started really beginning to get the sense that it was correct, that that I could be gay, I could be in a relationship with the God of my understanding. And yet, even though I had reclaimed my faith and in 2020, I was confirmed into the Episcopal Church and felt really super good about that decision. And still, the doubts kept coming. And part of that was my own inner dialogue, my own inner homophobia, my own fears, and society. So during that time, you know, we were dealing with a political climate that was so abusive to our LGBTQIA community. And it doesn't just go away. You can't just say, oh, it's okay to be gay and God loves you and then not have to battle the stuff that the politicians and the legislators are doing with our basic rights. You know, I'm going to get some backlash about this probably. And I know that I've already talked to one member of my parish that didn't understand really what I was saying when he asked me about this, but we stopped flying our flag at one election that we can all probably name because I really didn't believe at that point that the United States 
was a country that had my rights and my freedom and my best interest at heart. And it wasn't a big event. We didn't make a big splash about it. But my wife is a very patriotic person and a huge supporter of the military and the police, as I am. I mean, I'm an advocate of people, you know, following their path and doing their thing. Although I really hate war, but I do understand the concept of it. Um, But she's she is so patriotic and always flew our flag, always, always, always. And even when I wasn't too thrilled about it at times, you know, that was something that was very um, important to her. And she was very passionate about it. And we did. And then during that election, when that happened, she took it down. And she also felt the disconnect from our country, the land of the free, you know, opportunities, equality, all of that just didn't seem to be right. It just wasn't right for us. And someday I hope that we can fly it with a little bit of pride. And I do have pride in certain things about our country. But as far as our personal rights in the LGBTQ community, my brothers and sisters who are black, brown, Asian, Latina, you know, I'm very upset about the whole, (laughs) the whole bunch of us and how we are not treated with equality. And we'll just throw women in there. Go ahead, throw the women in there because, you know, even though they may be citizens and they may have the right to marry the person they choose, the rights for some women are still extremely uh, lacking and it's just not okay. It's just not okay. So we've reclaimed our faith. We're back in church, those of us who are. And um, now what? How do we dive in and live our life as a person of faith in the climate that we're in and with just life in general? So with the climate that we're in, as as you know, one of our previous guests, Katie Kirkpatrick, talked about, and I think Kim Clark has talked about it as well, is that we really have to get politically active. We have to get invested in change. We have to get invested in hear, having our voices heard. And if we don't do that, then one, we can't complain about you know necessarily who gets into office. Now, we can do everything We could go to every rally. We could sign every stupid Facebook petition. We could do all of those things. And we still may have bigots in in legislatures and and all of that. But we still need to have our voice heard. And those who have gone through, you know, the civil rights movement, they knew That even if it looked bleak and even if it didn't seem to be going very far, that without even trying, it was going to continue to stay bad. So and we've walked that, you know, MLK walked that for his community. You know, we have had advocates in the gay community that have stepped up and been brave enough to fight fights for us in the in politics. And and we have to continue to do it, even though it's 2023. Y'all, we still have so many legislations that are coming up that that we are going to lose some some rights if we're not careful. Roe versus Wade should teach all of us in the marginalized community that we cannot sit still and we cannot be silent. We have to use our voices and we have to be clear about what we expect. 
So in society, gay with God means that we continue to speak about our faith and our right to have our faith and our place in the in the church community and in our place as far as women and gay people in church. I was so pleased to meet Bishop Jennifer. Um, one of the perks of being on the vestry in my parish is that we, as a vestry, got to have a, a private conversation with her in the parlor. And she was delightful and she's very open and very willing to communicate with us. And she's a woman. And I just love the fact that in the Episcopal Church that women can be deacons, they can be priests, they can be bishops. And who knows, one day there may be a woman that leads the entire diocese. But right now we have women bishops all throughout the different provinces and the different regions. And so it's really, really cool. Um, not all of them, of course. There is some of the provinces that are very um, still non-affirming of women or gay people, but a lot of them are. And it's so amazing that, you know, at least in our country, in the United States, um, there we, we're really doing a much better job in the Episcopal Church and the Episcopal Church has come very far compared to what it was back in the day. And the Methodist denomination is now going through that tug and pull in their churches about gay people. Um, but the Episcopal Church has, has done a really, really good job of making our parishes and churches affirming and open and welcoming and um, and bringing in gay priests and, and rectors. And it's really um, a nice, a nice place to land. If I was going to find my, my relationship with God, this is where I definitely have found it. And it's much, much better. But also being gay with God is that we have to take in consideration that life gets in the way sometimes of us having that relationship with God if we're not careful. And what I mean by that is just simple things like, you know, getting COVID. <laughs> yeah, I had COVID a couple weeks ago and I have never, well, that's not true. When I had whooping cough, that was pretty bad. And I really wasn't very much <laughs> available to anybody mentally or being able to work or anything. But uh, COVID really sapped my energy in a way that I was very surprised about. I'd heard about it. But until you've experienced it, that fatigue that can, uh, comes with some of these strains of COVID is debilitating. I did work some online, but I really felt bad and I didn't, um, I didn't have any energy. Whatever I did do, I was then out. I would like fall asleep on the couch reading or I would, <laughs> I would fall asleep anywhere. I just could not stay awake. And I was so, so tired. Um, and when I did work, I felt really good about working and I wanted to do it, but I, I really had to pay for it after because I just had no energy and I'm much better now. I still have some fatigue, even though I'm now COVID free, but still dealing with some, you can hear it in my voice probably now <clears throat> still dealing with uh, some congestion and, and just hoarseness. Um, so I, I don't think that will last long, but anyway, so life happens, you get COVID and, and during COVID, I had a really hard, con a really hard time concentrating so that in the Episcopal church, we have what's called the daily office. And what that is basically is a time of meditation and prayer and going through scripture and, um, 
and it's like sort of like a morning devotion for those of you who are from other denominations. So it's kind of like kind of like morning devotions, but it's actually a whole um, process of of reading scripture and psalms and and doing some other prayers, and it's really really grounding and very nice. And there's a a morning daily office and a noon and an evening. Um, I could not concentrate to to get my mind to settle in on the scripture. I couldn't get my mind to settle in on the on the length of time that it would take to do it. And it was very disheartening that because this had been my my routine and I felt I loved it. I wanted to do it. It wasn't like a burden. I didn't feel like, oh, I got to do this. I really wanted to do it. But when I tried it, I couldn't do it. Um, there was an app. Uh, that I've used too, uh, that kind of somebody's reading it and you follow along. And that helped me a little bit because I could hear it and I wasn't having to use my brain to focus on reading because it was really hard to read. Even that, I would sometimes fall asleep. <laughs> it was really sad. Um, so when life happens and you start to gravitate away from you know your, your spiritual practice, that's hard too because it's hard to re-motivate yourself to get back into the routine of something when you've been sick or when life happens. Um, so I want you to, I'm saying all that because I don't want us to lose heart when things start to interrupt this new, you know, giddiness that I felt uh, when I reclaimed my faith and got back into church. I, I just felt so excited that, you know, I wanted to serve. I wanted to do all these things at the parish and help out and, I felt like I had finally gotten my rights back. <laughs> my spiritual rights had come back and I wanted to honor those and I wanted to be in that relationship with God. So volunteering, you know, to read, um, to serve the Eucharist, do those things that I could be trained to do. I just have enjoyed all of it. However, you know, you take, you take time to think about how your family is dealing with your new reclaimed faith. And I have a very supportive wife and she loves me and understands me probably better than I do. And she has always been very supportive when I say, I feel like I'm being pulled in this direction. I need to do this. And she has always said, do what you feel like you need to do. But then we had a life event that happened recently that really did kind of uh, catch us off guard. And my beloved's mother uh, was diagnosed with dementia, and it's a very horrible dementia. Um, there's different kinds. I didn't know there were different kinds, but there are. And um, and her kind is Lewy body. And this has really impacted us on a deep level. The type of dementia she has required us to be very, very vigilant, but yet even as vigilant as we were to try to help her navigate through this we couldn't predict half of the things that we've been through and it all, it caught us all by surprise. I had to start to realize that even though, you know, I am passionate about my faith and I am passionate about my church, my family sometimes definitely had to take, you know, my attention. And there have been more than one occasion that I've actually been in the pew at the church and I would get a text that something was going wrong. And I wasn't told come home, but I was told what the problem was. And I chose to go home because I needed to stand beside my beloved and be there for her and help her navigate this. And that's what it is. 
to be gay with God is that God really expects us to honor love. And we talked about this last time that love is the big commandment, right? So, you know, love means that I can love my God, but I'm also loving my family. And if my family needs me, then I think God knows that's where I need to be. And so I, I'm, I miss some church services. I miss some events because our priority was mom and mom-in-law. And she's always treated me like her, her daughter. She's always treated me like my wife's spouse. In the beginning, it was a little bit weird, but she's gotten there. And, um, and so, you know, she's family. She is my family. And, and if I need to be there, I'm going to be there. But it's been really difficult. It's been difficult on our faith, I think, because whenever you you go through a death or uh, this life event, like with dementia, that you know doesn't just go away quickly. <laughs> it's a it's a long journey, and those things can test you. And you know, you think, where is God in that moment? Where is God in this pain? Where is God in this ugly, ugly, ugly illness? And I think God is right with us. I don't think, I don't think it's caused by God. I I don't think, um, you know, that, that he's punishing us or testing us. I really believe that God is holding us during this time. I think God is allowing us to struggle because struggle is how we create change. And I think that's just part of living on earth. So my faith has not been diminished through this. I have been exhausted. I have questioned my own um, self, not God so much as I don't think I'm doing this right, or I don't think I'm praying right, or I don't think, you know, that's the questions I have is what, you know, am I still on the standard that I want for myself? And am I measuring up for God? And I continue to be affirmed by my priest and by my friends that, you know, that I'm still on the right track. Although sometimes I feel kind of confused and lost, but that's part of my process just in general going through this. So as we deal with our journeys of doubt and society and life events, navigating that is hard enough. Okay. If that's all that, if, if that was what was on our plate, that's hard enough to be gay, be in a relationship with God and still have you know, calamity sometime. But for us in the LGBTQIA community, we are also doing all of that. And we're in a world that is unenlightened, unaffirming in many places, and we're having to do it and continue to have to tell people, this is my spouse, my wife, husband, partner, however you identify your beloved, and that they have rights as well. So with my mom-in-law going into care and, and all the things that have, have happened, for people to understand that I am the spouse of my beloved. And we are having to come out consistently now when she's not comfortable doing that necessarily in public. But she is wanting to affirm that this is my wife and she has rights and she's she wants to make sure that I'm treated with respect and that I'm in the room. And whenever a spouse is allowed to be somewhere in a meeting or wherever we're 
I'm there because I am the person who is supporting her and helping her as we navigate in the blind. Sometimes we, it's not like we know what we're doing, but we are definitely moving in the direction together. And it's hard, you know, because when you have a spouse that's sick, when you have a spouse that's going through some major life crisis, you know, we all have our way of coping and my beloved and I can't be on different ends of the world if we tried when we the way we cope we are completely different in our coping skills however there are times that she needs my fiery aries coping skill and there's times that i definitely need you know her chill out skills but it's a it's a journey to navigate medical issues financial issues uh, placement issues all of those things for her mom has been such a big deal uh, for us to do in a society that kind of looks at you sometimes shocked when when you introduce yourself and, and you say, you know, I'm so-and-so and this is my wife. And they just go, this one lady, like almost, I think, stopped breathing. And then she said, great. But it was one of those greats that was like, oh my God, <laughs> great. <laughs> she wasn't really pleased, I don't think, to be in the presence of two gay women. But um, she handled herself professionally and she did a really good job. But you could tell, well, you know how you can tell. Somebody's like smiling, that fake smile and trying to make it feel all right. And it's not all right. They, they're they not comfortable at all, which then makes you a little bit on edge too. Um but we've navigated it. We've we've gotten through it. So now what? We've reclaimed our faith. Now what? Well, now we live our lives. We live our lives with God in the center of that. We open and expand ourselves so that whatever comes our way, we're going to meet it now with God with us. Above us, below us, in front of us, behind us, in us, all the way around us, we are going to be in a relationship with God and walk through our life in this unenlightened, unaffirming place that we live. And we're going to continue to create change. We're going to continue to be mindful of who are we voting into office and how will that impact the world? Not just us, but the world. How is a decision to put someone in office going to impact the rights, the equity, the equality, the lives of all people, not just the rich, not just the white and not just the male, all people. And my friends, we have not yet begun to make that completely right. And yet, as I've said, as long as we're above ground and still breathing, we still have a purpose and we still have a chance to make things better. And that's, I think, another thing that we're expected to do on this earth is to create a heaven here so that heaven can come. I hope, my friends, that as you walk the walk of faith, that's what it's going to have to take is to have faith, have the faith that even though we don't see it, it doesn't mean it's not coming. And even though we can't figure it out, doesn't mean that the answer's not there. And there is going to be an answer. And we just have to fall into that place of understanding, maybe just not yet. Just not yet. 
And that's the other place that I find myself in my relationship with God, as I feel pulled to be in relationship on deep levels and possibly even take it to another level. It's, it's a timing thing. There are times for crisis. There's a time for waiting. There's a time for everything. So right now I am actively serving and waiting because the thing with the memoir and my mother-in-law, those are two big events in my life that I'm called to be present. I'm called to be present to get this project out into the world and into your hands and to help anybody else who needs to have somebody else's journey in front of them to see how they did it and to give a light and to give hope that yes, if you have always backed away from God because of the abomination and the ugliness and the political stuff and all of the all the problems that a, a structured church might have, how do you then allow yourself to have the faith to not worry about how everybody else does it? But how do you want to do it? How do you want to meet God in your life? How do you want that divine being to be in your life? You have the right to have the God of your understanding and to be in relationship with God in a way that makes you feel comfortable. And as you continue to listen to this podcast and as new guests come on, we're going to continue to hear their story. And one of those stories might be yours. <laughs> and I hope that it will be. If you've been waiting to be a guest on the Gay With God podcast, your time is now. Because as much as I love, and I say this all the time, as much as I love speaking with you about things that are important to me, I am much more happy when I can hear your stories and honor them and let you be the light in the world that you're being called to be. So thank you so much, guys, for honoring me with your time and being a listener. And I hope that if you want to connect with me, that you'll go to the Gay With God show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. If you would like to check out our Facebook group, Gay With God, um, we do a monthly Zoom group entitled My Faith Journey. We're going to do My Faith Journey on April 10th. That's Monday evening at 630. And then April 13th, right after that, is when I'm going to do the Ask Me Anything. So the My Faith Journey is a time where you can ask any questions that you want to ask. Uh, we can talk about it openly with the people who are logging on. And we're also, this next week, we're going to, um, this next session, we're going to look in Genesis and kind of look at that and and pull that apart for one of the listeners who's been wanting to, to look a little bit deeper in Genesis. So we're all going to have a conversation about that. Then the ask me anything is when you can literally ask me anything. You can ask me about the memoir and I will be doing a selection from either the upcoming memoir, Gay with God, Reclaiming My Faith, Honoring My Story, or it might be one of the untold stories that didn't make it into the book. So you you, got, you get a surprise. You, you might see something that you might read later and you might see some or hear something that you won't see later. So that's going to happen on the 13th at seven o'clock. You can find the link, the Zoom link for that, either on my personal Facebook group, um, the Facebook page. You can find it in the Gay With God group if you join that. Um, and so it's it's listed. There's an event for it and you can find it. And that's Ask Me Anything and I hope you'll come. So if you are listening to this podcast, 
and are questioning whether you can be gay and be in a relationship with the God of your understanding, if you identify as LGBTQIA+, or maybe you're not even sure if you're gay yet, God has always been within you. Even when you didn't know it, you have always been gay with God. Thank you, everybody. Stay tuned to see how you can join the Gay With God community. And as always, you are loved. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4, a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.